Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Ocean State Sidelines. I'm Brandon McGear, sports writer with the Pawtucket Times and Woonsocket Call Ed, joined for this latest episode by one of the favorite friars I've ever had a chance to cover, Emmett Holt. Emmett is a former friar, actually spent four years on PC's campus, and he's coming to us live this evening from Brazil. Stop number three, pro stop number three since he left PC. First of all, Emmett, how are you doing? I'm feeling great. Um, just got here in Brazil late last week. Uh, actually threw me in a game. Uh, I landed on Thursday. Uh, I rested Friday and Saturday we had a game. So coach just threw me in there, uh, threw me in the fire. It was it was a great experience, though. I can already tell um, this is a great team. We have a great opportunity to do some success, successful things this year. Um, and other than my legs being shot, yeah, I would like to say that um, it's a great experience so far. Uh, we mentioned that stop number three previously. You were in Uruguay and Finland. We'll dive into your pro career. But first, let's go back and revisit uh, your time with the Friars. And, you know, I want to go back to, I think, the spring of 2016. You were at Indian Hills. You had just finished your junior college year. You know, and you decided to commit to PC. What were those, those initial conversations like with Coach Cooley, and you know what ultimately led you to come to PC? Um, well, what led me to come to PC, I would have to say a big uh, part of that was Coach Cooley. Um, he wasn't just a coach, but like as a man, you know what I mean. He approached me in a way um, that let me understand like this is basketball, but I want to show you more than just basketball. like there's more to life than this. I want you to get education. I want you to be a well-rounded uh, human being. And I think that's what attracted me to PC the most. And then the atmosphere there, um, my teammates, everyone around me, Jalen, Rodney, Kyron, when I first initially got there, um, we were just all so well-connected and it was just such a flow. So it was just natural for me to go there, honestly. And then you joined like a group of freshmen, uh, Alpha Diallo, Malik White, Khalif Young, you know, all guys that you had to spend four years with, because you originally only had two years of eligibility, but to see all those guys with four years through, you know, looking back on that, Evan, how much did you see those guys grow in their, in their four years that you were together? Yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy because obviously I wasn't uh, planning on being there for four years. Uh, but to see, especially Alpha, Malik, um, the guys that I was with when they first started their college career, Khalid, um, the way that I saw them grow, um, their work ethic, uh, just being who they are as people, it was just uh, amazing. And I was blessed to see it in front of my own eyes. Um, a lot of people don't get to see like the growth of others, but I was blessed enough to do that. And um, very proud of my guys. Yeah. Very proud of all my guys and what they're doing. Um, but also for you personally, that first year, 2016-17, you know, we started 28 out of 30. 32 possible games you fit right in right away average 12 and a half points how much did you know was it you know, like you mentioned coach Cooley putting you in a position to succeed right away and the guys you come again kind of really buying into your role yes it, it really was that um me and well specifically me Kyron Jalen and Rodney because we were the uh, upperclassmen uh we all sat down we all had a conversation and it was just a real conversation we all um, had this dream that we wanted to, first and foremost, win the Big East and make it to the NCAA tournament. And we all experienced and had a taste of it, but we never, like, really fully indulged in it. So 
when we had that conversation, um, from there on out, we just stuck to the plan. Whatever it took to get the win, to get to our um, goal, our end goal, that's what we did. And it just flowed beautifully. I, I couldn't have wrote it better. Um, I want to go back to one play that stood out to me in 2017. It was against Xavier. It was at the dunk. Rasheed Gaston, I think, uh, you know, there was a break in the action. He looked like he turned away. He looked like he was facing you. There was a brief exchange. I don't know if there's a little trash talk or anything like that, but you came back right away, and Xavier was inbounding the ball, came up with a huge rejection at the block. That sequence, I think, epitomized, you know, the pre-surgery, everything that you had to do, Evan Holt, where, you know, you were not going to take any nonsense from anyone. Just uh, do you remember that play, Emmett? Oh, absolutely. Um, the thing is, like, that whole game, everyone was talking trash, right? So it just so happens in that particular moment, the cameraman actually caught us in the middle of the act. So, yeah, we were trash talking, trash talking, and um, he just called me something that I didn't agree with. So when that happened, that's when I got in his face. And um, like you said, the next play, he couldn't have wrote it better because the next play he goes up and I just happened to be there to get the block. And, yes, I, I do believe that uh, really solidified, like, this is who I am. Um, we're not – well, because Xavier is, like, a bully ball team majority of the time. So, like, for you to come in our house and try and bully us, we're not going to take that. And uh, I stood on that. This is what we stood on. You know, and then you go to that uh, NCAA tournament game. There was a play-in game that year against USC. USC. You guys were off to a great lead. And I think maybe it was just a matter of Emmett. They're just their size, their physicality just wore you guys down. You had a great game, 18 points, 11 rebounds, but it just felt like as the game went on, they were just able to more impose that their will. How often do you kind of think back to that game, thinking, you know, we had a great shot, we had the game, but it was just it was just too much to overcome? Yeah, um, I think it was a wasted opportunity for us because I know if we would have got past this uh, that first hump, it would have been lights out for the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't think it was more so of their size, but I think it was more so us beating ourselves. I think when we got up by 20, we got a little comfortable and we got a little stagnant. Um, if you look at, if you go back and look at the floor of the game, uh, in the second half, it looks nothing like the first half. Like in the first half, we're moving the ball, getting shots we want, we're hyping each other up, all that good stuff. But in the second half, like I said, it's like we kind of got comfortable and they took full advantage of that. They took full advantage of that. So, um, like I said, I don't think it was more of their size, but I think it was more that we beat ourselves in that game. And, yes, that that still haunts me till today because I know um, I know what type of team that we had. We had all the right pieces, and we just didn't capitalize on it. And then uh, you go through your health scare, and it was just one domino after another, you know, it was like, are we going to ever see Emmett Holt on a, on a basketball court again? We're almost approaching, the, I think, the five-year anniversary of when you went in the hospital. Um, Emmett, to this day, do you still even know what happened and, you know, how you were diagnosed? And it, it just just came out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, it, it really did come out of the blue. Just a random night. Um, nothing really changed. We were playing the game, whatever, whatever. Had some pains in my stomach. And from there, you guys know the rest of the story. But... I, they never gave me a real diagnosis of what it was. And I think that's the scariest part because with that, I don't know if it can come back. You know what I mean? I don't know if I can avoid it. I don't know what it was. You know what I mean? So that's just, I think that's the scariest part. Yes, the whole experience was traumatizing. Um, definitely had to take some break, mental breaks here and there and get myself together. 
But uh, I think that's the scariest part, not knowing what it was in particular. So, uh, yeah. Definitely scary, but I remember seeing you at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. I think it was Martin Luther King Day 2018. You know, how mm-hmm. much it's important for you to be around the guys again? Because I know you were home. You were probably chomping them a bit. It wasn't a lot of fun watching them on TV. Obviously, you wanted to play, but to be around them, how much was that a, a, just a good psychological thing for you to be around the guys again? It was an unbelievable feeling. It's like a feeling you really can't describe because – these were my brothers. Like, even uh, when I was in the hospital, I talked to somebody on that team every day. Every day I talked to somebody on the team. So when I actually got around them physically in person, it was nothing but love. It was nothing but love. And that's exactly what I needed. You know what I mean? Being away from them for so long, um, to just see them in person, it just meant everything to me. It really did. You lost a lot of weight. Did you have to feel like, Emmett, you had to start from scratch all over again? Because the player you were before – it was going to take a lot of time to get back to that level once again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, my physicality, when uh, before the surgery, I was just so um, dominant. I was close to like 250, something like that. I was quick on my feet still. Still quick on my feet, but uh, just the weight in particular. Um, I had to change my game. It, I actually did have to start from scratch. Um, it's not I – I couldn't play bully ball anymore. It was more of I have to use my skill set. I have to get my shot right. I have to start working on my handles. Um, even this past summer, uh, I've been working on my fadeaway in the post, which is probably going to be my bread and butter for my moves this year. But, uh, yeah, just starting from scratch and uh, working my way up. But then again, in saying that, that's just the type of person I am. Like, whatever I need to do, I'm going to work as hard as I need to to get to where I want to be. In the 2018-19 season, you did come back. You played in a handful of games. You were able to, like, slam the brakes because there was still the opportunity for you to get a medical red shirt. You know, to go through that process of it, you know, how relieving was it to know that you were going to at least have another chance to author a tale of your own liking to come back for the 2019-20 season? Yeah, I mean, when I actually received the medical red shirt, it was like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders because – me and Cooley had several conversations before uh, even football the game. Um, because, like I said, he cared for me as a person first and then a basketball player second. Um, so he always was concerned about my health. And um, with the body, it heals from the inside out. So even that, even though the scar was healed on the outside, my insides were still healing. And with that, uh, I was open and honest with him. With that, um, he was very scared in my at the same time, I have to admit, I was scared at some moments, too. If you watch some of the games, I kind of, like, protecting myself a little bit. Um, just that mentality of, like, I can't get hurt anymore, you know what I mean? And I think that uh, kind of backfired in a way. But within saying that, the experience that I got on the court and um, getting these games in, it definitely brought that confidence back of, oh, I can actually do this again. This is actually going to be a thing one day, you know what I mean? So that actually gave me even more motivation to continue to keep going and work as hard as I do. You go through the 2019-20 season. You guys have an incredible run leading up to the base tournament. Kind of turn the season around because right before that, right even right before Christmas, it was kind of like what are the what are the odds that the Friars going to even get to this point where they were going to be the NCAA tournament? You won six in a row going in. You beat Villanova at Villanova. You had a great close to the season. I think beat Xavier at home. You beat uh, you uh, beat DePaul. 
And then we get to the uh, Square Garden. Or do you, you didn't even get to Master Square Garden in March of 2020. You guys were on the bus. We were on the bus. <laughs> and then it was ridiculous. It was a it was a terrible feeling for a couple of different reasons. Um, first off, because we're the season's over, and this was like our senior year. So that's a slap in the face, first and foremost. But like I said, it was one of those situations. Like when I first got the PC, it was another one of those situations where we had all the right pieces. So like, and then the bad thing about this team, though, we never know what could have been. You know what I mean? Just because of COVID. Just COVID alone just destroyed that opportunity for us. And like I said, we had five seniors, me, Alpha, Malik, Pip, and Khalif. Mm-hmm. So we're all gone. We're not coming back. No. So it's just always going to be that hanging over our head of what if, you know what I mean? What if? And then if you look at the following, um, following season that came, it's like, man, like if we had those couple pieces, it, I don't know. It's just a whole bunch of things. There's a lot of what ifs. Yeah. A lot of what ifs. As many what ifs you think to maybe that 2017 loss to USC? You think? Again? You think, um, you know, you think back to that uh, 2017 loss to USC. Is there as many what ifs with that scenario as there was in 2020? Um, no, I wouldn't say um, as much because we actually had our opportunity against USC and we just wasted our opportunity. But in the 2020, we just didn't get the opportunity. So we don't really know what could have happened. And I think that's the most frustrating part for everyone, for everyone, because we definitely had all the right pieces. Your relationship with, uh, I guess we actually officially call him now, former athletic director Bob Driscoll is a special one. How much did he, you know, he first of all, he visited you in the hospital. That struck a chord with you, no doubt. And to the point that you were very interested in his line of work, just how much did he mean to you during your time at PC? He he really touched my heart. Um, Bob Driscoll is a man of many traits, Um, but above all, like, and I want to give him the right word. He's just someone you can depend on. Bob Driscoll is someone you can depend on. You can lean on him. You can ask him anything you want. It can be anything. And he will have an answer for you. Um, he visited me several times in the hospital. That meant the world to me. Because there, uh, there was a time where I didn't want anyone to see me. But Bob like insisted. like He wanted to be there for me. Um, and we had several conversations. Um, not just about me and my body and him and his life, but just like in general, you know what I mean? He's great to have a conversation with. He understands, um, he listens. And then on top of all that, he just cares. He just cares about uh, people in front of him. He doesn't care who you are. He will give you the clothes off of his back. And um, when I saw that, I started asking him questions about his line of work, um, him being an athletic director. And uh, if I can be involved with that, and he was completely excited, uh, was on board with the idea and whatnot. And from there, it just took off. And um, I started taking classes and stuff for it. And uh, hopefully this summer, um, I do an internship. Uh, I know he just retired, um, but he's very good friends with the Brown uh, Brown Athletic Director. So we've been in contact as well. But yeah, me and Bob, we, we have a great relationship. It's beautiful. And I don't think I could ask for a better one, honestly. He's like my mentor, you know what I mean? So, 
Yeah. That's awesome to hear because, you know, obviously Bob's touched a lot of lives over the years and I know he meant a great deal to you. What did it mean, speaking of great deals for you as a young alum following this group this past season, you know, the one that got, won the biggest regular championship and got to the Sweet 16, a lot of the guys you were teammates with, you didn't, you didn't play or teammates with Noah Hawkler or Jared Bynum. They were sitting out that year that you were there, but you were around those guys what did it mean to see them kind of have that breakthrough moment this season? And just, you know, what was it like for you just to follow them? Uh, I think in simple terms, I think it was long. Mm -hmm. like we deserved, uh, well, those guys, they won it. So they deserved that championship. Kobe deserved that coach of the year. Um, all the things getting to the, I believe they made the sweet 16. Yes. Yeah, so even making it to the Sweet 16, Sweet 16 deserved that. I believe they could have went further if they, like, did a couple of things differently, but you never really know. It's just one of those things. Um, so all the success that they had this year, I just think that it was overdue for Providence. Like, it was bound to happen eventually. It just so happened that it happened this year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, not really surprised, but very proud of my guys. Very proud of my guys. Like you said, Jared and uh, – no, he uh, they sat out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they uh, sat out the year before. So like, even to see them grind and like believe in the process and really commit to all of the things that coach were feeding them, like that, what they did this past year is just a result of all of that. And obviously, you you were close to to Nate Watson to AJ Reeves as well to see them kind of have that breakthrough moment as well. And and also Al Durham, I remember talking to you for a story. It was yep. nice to see another Indiana guy that you were very familiar with what did he mean to that program watching him from afar now he he has done like when i watched him in his game he was like a more i wouldn't say more composed kyron because kyron was very composed mm -hmm. kyron was very composed but he had very similar traits to kyron he had very similar traits like he knew how to Control the game when it needed to be slowed down. You know how to speed it up when it needed to get faster. Um, just like a floor general, a floor general. I think that's what I want to go with. Like, that's it. That's exactly what they really needed for that team. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think he played his role perfectly. Played his role perfectly. He was in guys' ears um, when they needed to get yelled at. Um, he let them know that they were okay when they were flustered. Like, he did everything that they needed to do. The things that don't show up on the stat sheet. That's what he did. That's what he did. Uruguay, Finland, Brazil, different countries. You know, first of all, same basketball game, but what's it like playing in those countries? I mean, just to give people a sense of what it is, how, you know, maybe because there were COVID restrictions, they didn't have fans like they did. And, but what was it like just to be in those countries playing basketball? Yeah. Now every country has their own style of play. That's one thing that I've learned in my professional career. Um, so in Finland, it was more, uh, well, they were big on the shooting, very big on shooting. I think that's, uh, where I really started to, um, take serious my three point shot. Um, uh, so the shooting and skill, um, the skill set of the bigs that played a role as well, specifically the fours and the fives. I would have to say the fives too, because there are a couple guys out there that can put the ball on the floor and get it done. Um, 
here in South America, uh, second year here in South America, uh, Uruguay, they play a lot more bully ball, a lot more bully ball. So they'll try and take it to the paint, pound the ball, get the two points. So I was able to exploit that. Um, since you guys want to play bully ball, I will bring you out here and I will start my dribble. And they cannot guard that. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like just a sense of what it is. Now, here in Brazil, I only played one game. But just seeing what I've seen, it's much more um, like Finland. It's much more of a skill set type of uh, league. Like you're going to have to be able to shoot three. You're going to have to be able to put the ball on the ground. You got to be able to make a pass. These are the things that are essential. Um, I would say it's a little more traditional, though, in the sense of the fives. They don't really come out. They really stay in the paint. But other than that, um, yeah, just to keep in mind of just these different countries, just different styles of play, depending on where you are. No, that's awesome to hear. How long does the season go? I mean, you just started, obviously. Uh, how long does the season go? So I'm here in Brazil until May, but with the seasons, it goes, uh, it's a little different. So we're in the middle of a league right now, and we have three more leagues to play in. We have the, um, the League of Americans, the South American League, they sound very similar, and then we have the NBB. So those are the three that we're coming up on. We're finishing um, a league right now. I can't remember the exact name. I'm pretty sure it's in Portuguese anyway, so I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so it's like three or four different leagues, and we're just traveling. Uh, even uh, in this next league that we're going in, I know we're going to have to fly to Argentina to play a couple teams out there. So very different um, in terms of how they, um, how they do things around here and scheduling, but it's all basketball at the end of the day. So I'm going to love it regardless. Absolutely. And obviously you hope to keep going as long as, as possible. Absolutely. Try and keep this thing going. Um, hopefully if I do the numbers correctly, uh, I just get a big contract, get a bigger role in the next team. Mm -hmm. We're just going to have to see what happens. Um, ultimate goal is, to, uh, well, within the next, Within the next year or two, I would like to try and get onto a G League team. I think um, my skill set has elevated every year. Um, I think I'm becoming like a three-level player. Um, shout out to Coach Battle because he's always he always taught me since day one, um, you're not supposed to be a position. You're supposed to be a basketball player. So that's, that's the mindset that I've had since my professional career started. Um, if they need me to shoot a three, I can shoot a three. If they need me to post up, I can do that. If you want me to bring the ball up, I'm able to do that as well. Shout out to PC associate head coach, Jeff Battle. Always good to mention him. You know, he's working hard, always on the recruiting trail. Emmett, what's the food like? Okay, so it's a little different. It's a little different. But um, I didn't get to experience that much because, like I said, I, only, I got here late last week, so a lot of the meals – I've been cooking, um, but their traditional meals out here is just barbecue, like steaks, sausage, um, burgers, all that stuff. Um, and I wish I I, uh, I learned the name in Portuguese better, but there's this certain meat that they cook for the barbecue and uh, they just cut it up and everyone just comes around and you get a piece of bread, put it on there and you eat it like that. Um, I'm very excited for that. It's not Sharice, is it? No, it's not that. I think it started with a B. 
I want to say it started with a B. But yeah, they, they already told me um, within the next week or two, they're going to take me to a barbecue spot and I'm going to be able to experience all the traditional foods out here. So very excited about that. Very excited about that. So in closing, we're going to play a little name association. I'm going to give you a former Friar teammate and you can say the first thing that pops in your mind. We'll go first guy, uh, Kyron Cartwright. Kyron, playmaker. Alpha Diallo. Slow bucket. <laughs> like molasses bucket. <laughs> Rodney Bullock. Shooter. Oh, no, no. Shooter and driver. Mm. Khalif Young. Dunk. Dunker. Mm. Nate Watson. Poster. Poster. <laughs> Malik White. Talker. Big talk. Big talker. <laughs> AJ Reeves. Great teaming. Great teaming. Great teaming. David Duke. Hard worker. Very hard worker. Very hard worker. Luan Pipkins. Oh, this my guy. I don't know what to say with this. Is he another talker? Everything. A little bit of everything. He's a talker. He's definitely a talker. But he can, he can, uh, he can make it happen. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Andrew Fonts, the guy. <laughs> That's probably the best way to sum it up, and that might be the best way to sum up this podcast, Emmett. I wish you continued success in Brazil. You know, um, hopefully we'll be seeing your pro exploits for a long time. Love to see you back stateside. You're working hard. You grinded hard. And, uh, you know, it, it continues success to you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Always, to uh, always glad to be part of your podcast. And that should do it on this latest episode of Ocean State Sidelines. We'll be back with a fresh episode soon. But until then, take care, everyone.